0: If you've got a thirst for knowledge that never quits, Brightside podcasts are just what you need. Whether you're into recent discoveries, space exploration, true stories, or useful tips for self-improvement, psychology, gadgets, or just your day-to-day routine, there's something for everyone. In July 2019, a very special item was sold at an auction in Rhode Island. Special in that it was used over 100 years ago to save a group of Titanic passengers. But what could it be? One of the lifeboats? A piece of the rescue ship? No, it was a mere cane. A black walking stick with an amber-colored tip and built-in light. How exactly did a cane help save lives? Let us journey back in time to uncover the answers. In the spring of 1912, 55-year-old Ella White was traveling around Europe with her good friend Marie Grice Young, a 36-year-old piano teacher. Different things can happen while you're out on an adventure – things like injuring your foot. At least, this is what happened to White at some point during her travels abroad. We'll never know what it was exactly, but either way, she had to get herself a walking aid. She decided to get a fancy model with a battery-illuminated crown – a decision that would save her life later. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. When their European vacation was over. The wealthy White and Young got themselves first-class tickets for RMS Titanic and headed home to New York on April 10, 1912. White was also traveling with a maid, a servant, and some chickens she and Young had purchased in France. Little did the women know they wouldn't arrive in New York on the same ship just days later. Life in first class of the most famous ship in history was a luxury, but it came at a price alright. Ladies and gentlemen, among them some of the richest people in the world, paid up to $50,000 by today's rate for their tickets. They got access to the finest living conditions and onboard entertainment. They dined to the beautiful compositions of a live orchestra in a room filled with gorgeous furniture and decor. They played chess and backgammon, socializing with their wealthy friends and acquaintances. They went to the gym, the swimming pool, and squash courts. Ah... Seems none of them had a worry in the world. Ella White, however, didn't take advantage of all those enviable amenities. She preferred the company of her close friend in one of the 39 private suites at the top of the ship. Basically, the first time she left their suite was the fateful night of April 14th. Imagine you have all these rich, well dressed socialites, business people, and powerful names. They're relaxing, laughing, and enjoying the finer things in life. Then, within the blink of an eye, all that fun and carefree relaxation comes to a screeching, or perhaps smashing, halt. Yes, April 14th was the very night the unsinkable ship crashed into an iceberg at 11.40pm in the freezing waters of the North Atlantic. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. She'd be underwater in 2 hours and 40 minutes. When interviewed about it later... Ella White said she personally didn't realize there was a need for all that rush and evacuation. She only described the sensation of the ship striking the iceberg as a slight tremor. At that moment, it didn't seem scary at all. However, just like the other passengers, she wanted to know what was going on. So together with her little personal crew, she left the comfort of her luxurious suite and came to the upper deck. A crowd had already gathered there waiting for explanations and instructions. It was also the place where all of the 20 lifeboats on board were located. There could have been more, but then the deck would have been too cluttered. At least that's what the ship's owners thought. It would be a grave mistake given the horrendous shortage of boats for fleeing passengers. Just like White, not so many people actually believe the slight tremor could possibly be disastrous. Moments later, Captain Edward Smith announced it was time to put on life jackets and get into the lifeboats. But there was still no panic yet. Either confident it was no big deal or trying to cheer up the passengers, some crew members warned them not to lose their passes so that they could show them when they got back on board the ship. Naturally, people believed that and were even more positive it was a minor technical problem. They got into the lifeboats casually, making plans for what they'd do together once this unexpected inconvenience was over with. As you know, none of them came back to the ship. She'd be bubbling to the bottom of the Atlantic soon. The crew started launching the lifeboats at 12.25 a.m. It's at this time that the Carpathia gets the distress call and heads toward the Titanic. She's still far away, though. The first boat was in the water at 12.40 a.m., Lifeboat No. 8 carrying Ms. White, her maid, and Ms. Young were among the first to set off. White's male servant couldn't join them, of course. Women and children took priority. Passengers from 2nd and 3rd class didn't even know how to get to the lifeboats on the upper deck. Perhaps a drill would have prevented that. One was scheduled for that very morning on April 14th, but it never happened. By 2 a.m., every lifeboat had been loaded and launched. There were still more than 1,500 people left on the ship. They now needed to fend for themselves, and it wouldn't go well. A mere 20 minutes later, and the Titanic would be no more. As for those lucky ones who managed to board a lifeboat, each group seemed to have its heroes. Whether they were helping row the boat or calming everyone down, each role mattered as much as the other. But one job was crucial someone needed to light the way. For lifeboat number 8, Ella White would be the one to step up and take on that role. The survivors realized that the lifeboat's lamps weren't strong enough for that function. At that moment, Ella White remembered her cane, that very one with a fancy built-in flashlight that would go for auction over a hundred years later. So the 27 survivors in lifeboat number 8 now needed to row for their lives. Remember, there was an enormous ship going underwater and sucking anything nearby down with it. Ms. White, with her illuminated walking stick, became their signal woman. It was dark, bitterly cold, and the waters surrounding them were filled with debris. But they kept going, not knowing how far help was from them. Then, tired and freezing cold, the lifeboat's passengers saw a light somewhere in the distance. Could it be the rescue light of RMS Carpathia? Given the conditions, they didn't even know if they were moving towards it or further away. Ella White kept waving that cane like the only light of hope they still had. After 45 minutes of going in what might have been the wrong direction, Lifeboat number 8 decided to turn around to see if they could save more people. After all, their boat, being one of the first ones launched, had only 27 people in it, yet it could easily hold two times more. It was a heroic decision indeed. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. They were watching the dream go underwater, along with all the luxury still stored inside. All those brand new, intricately decorated rooms, lost valuables, they belong to the sea now. It's hard to say what was going through these brave people's minds. Fear? Disappointment? Realizing how small and powerless humans still are compared to the elements. Probably all of the above plus some. By the time they got back to the ship, there was no longer a ship to go back to. Now the passengers had to worry about their own survival, as the North Atlantic wasn't exactly the safest place to be. Ella White continued her signaling job to indicate their presence to the rescue team. They were only picked up at 7.30 in the morning of April 15th. Every single passenger and crew member aboard Lifeboat 8 survived. The brave lady who lit the way for the lifeboat would live to the age of 85, passing in 1942. The unique cane stayed in the family, and it was passed from generation to generation. The person who eventually consigned it was Brad Williams. His grandmother was White's niece. He received the stick from his mother. For years it was kept in his umbrella stand, among 35 other canes from his collection. He said he decided that this one needed a better home where it would be honored. Experts thought the cane would sell for somewhere between $300,000 and $500,000. After all, it was still in perfect condition, not to mention the incredible history. Yet it sold for just $62,500. A lot for a stick, sure, but it's nothing compared to another Titanic artifact a violin that the band leader played during the sinking that sold for about $1.7 million. Some family members were against the sale. That fact might explain the nervousness of prospective buyers and the rather low final price for the cane. Let's hope the lucky UK buyer will give this treasured artifact the careful treatment it deserves.